HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Garden Cult, garden design and coaching. For a 15% discount on virtual garden consultations and coaching sessions, use code HRN15. Learn more at gardencult.com. Good food is worth a thousand words. Hi, this is Arthi Menon, and I'm delighted to share a new podcast with you. My Family Recipe from Food52 and Heritage Radio Network. Each episode of My Family Recipe brings you a cherished heirloom recipe and the story behind it from voices across the world of food. Join us as we explore experiences of loss and remembering accompanied by homemade baked ziti and chronicles of comfort and celebration paired with the perfect chocolate cake. I'll interview writers and chefs parents and children, about what's passed down along with the foods that we know and love. Adapted from Food 52's much-loved column of the same name, the My Family Recipe podcast will bring its pages to life. I grew up literally hanging off the petticoat tales of three generations of Indian matriarchs who used food to speak their everyday language of love. As a result, I've always reached for the human side of recipes and food traditions. As the editor of the essay series, I work with writers to explore the histories behind these passed down dishes, but also what they mean for the present and our futures. I'm so excited to dig deeper into the stories and voices behind them. Subscribe to My Family Recipe from Food52 and Heritage Radio Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Cherish dishes and delicious stories coming this fall. Hola familia, bienvenidos. Welcome to a very exciting uh, episode of Cooking in Mexican from A to Z. Uh, we're launching our third season and we thought it would be very apropos and very, I think, significant to start season three with uh, the, the 
Just the two of us. Just the two of us and also, <laughs> exactly, yeah. mom. And starting with something that I think is so important and is actually the foundation of what you and I believe in is Mexican cooking techniques and flavor principles, right? Or you like to exactly. call, you like to call them building blocks, mom. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that and how you came up with that idea, mom. When uh, when I first went to teach at the Culinary Institute in in, in uh, Napa, you know, it was for a consulting job for Marriott Hotels, mm -hmm. and they were were bringing in the GMs, the directors of food and, and beverage, and the executive chefs. So I, I I wanted to give them a total journey into what Mexican food is, and I wanted to give them recipes that they could use in non-traditional Mexican foods. So, so what I so what I did was that I broke up, let's say, pico de gallo, you know, the, the fresh salsa, and you can take that that just that learn how to make it perfectly with all those wonderful, exciting flavors and everything, and take it, saute it, and beat beat some eggs in, and and cook it quickly with tortilla chips, and you have huevos a la mexicana. Yep. Or, or you can, or you can take that sauce, put butter or oil on it, add spices and put fish in it and cook my red snapper hash. Mm -hmm. You know, and or, or you can take zucchini, cut it up nicely, and then put the the pico de gallo on top, in the pan, and then cook it, and then you've got this fresh zucchini with all this fresh flavors. Yeah. So that's just one of the building blocks yeah. that that I like to use, and it's great for people who don't know how to cook a lot, but but. But but have to cook, you know, and so they can make one recipe and then use it in different ways. Yeah. So in essence, that that base recipe spawns a bunch of other different directions that that a home cook or even a professional could take. And at, first of all, I think it's really smart because it's it's you're cross utilizing ingredients, so it's very efficient as far as making sure that that recipe and the time that you take to produce that can go in many different directions, right? So, and I think it's, exactly. a, I think it's also a beautiful a tool to teach uh, corporations like Marriott to be uh, consistent and throughout the flavor profiles and things that they need to teach to their staff. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, Let's talk a little bit. Thank you. Yeah, of course, mom. Well, yeah. Well, my second book is very much inspired by that whole, that whole ethos of of having these flavor these flavor bases and flavor profiles that can go into many different directions. And my my second book, Simple Food, Big Flavor, is a lot of that, which is inspired by you, mom. Um, Thank you. Of course. So when you're talking about the building blocks, let's talk about the ingredients that sort of make up that Mesoamerican diet and you know, those ingredients that are, are are the foundation, the pillars of how to make all these wonderful traditional Mexican recipes, right? Let's talk a little bit about what those are. What what would have Cortez encountered when he landed in the port in the port of Veracruz in 1519, right, Mom? What were some of the things that he would have saw in the market? He would have seen uh, he would have seen zucchini, he would have seen different kinds of green chilies, he mm. would have seen tomatoes. No limes, no 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 oranges, anything like that. We would have um, corn, of course. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just beans. Mm -hmm. um, let's see, no potatoes because the potatoes came later. Chilies, chilies, cacao. Cacao. So, and then they were bringing all their own ingredients, so they get there with them, mm -hmm. and they combine them with what they found, and the new cuisine was born. Yes.
And let's talk a little bit about the protein sources, right? So we're talking about, I mean, if you wanted to say in, 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 in a brief synopsis, what are those that Mesoamerican diet? We're talking about corn, tomatoes, chiles, squashes, corn, cacao. Those are the things that are, 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 are you know, uh, the basis of a lot of the, the traditional recipes, right? But let's talk about the protein sources. What do indigenous people in Mesoamerica really eat at that time? Because what we think of now as a Mexican uh, menu or cuisine is very much different based on the proteins. Let's talk about that. They would eat bugs, honey. Yeah. Like Dr. Bugs said mm-hmm. in our last, in our thing, they would eat a lot of bugs. They would eat, um, they would eat some wild, uh, you know, hair or, mm-hmm. or maybe deer, but it, but it was actually a, a plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. You know, which I asked this man, a Mije indigenous person, and I said, how is the crisis affecting you? Because it was during one of the usual crises. And he said, it doesn't affect me at all. Because uh, all I, we eat are beans, chili, tortillas, and there's always plenty of that. Yeah. So they were able to sustain, you know, they were able to sustain themselves very well without the protein. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, uh, we talk with a lot of like, you know, Tio, who I live with, Tio Mario, and he was, you know, we were, we were, we were vegans. We were vegans out of necessity. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. We always had yeah. frijoles, arroz, tortillas, and salsa at the house. And Tia would tell me that they would only really have protein on the weekends where there was a sopa of, of chicken or beef or something to kind of have this more extended meal. Uh, so I just found that very interesting. You know, the original vegan diet. <laughs> People do go back to that, you know, mm-hmm. because it's so, it's so satisfying. Because you have the chilies provide all the, all the vitamins. The, to, the the tomatoes, you know, have a vitamin, uh, vitamin C. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's it's a really wonderful diet. But there's so many other flavors that 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 make up this um, this building block culture that 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 I have. Mm-hmm. Do you have any particular building blocks that you use all the time? Well, yeah. I mean, mom, you know, for me, I know that you've had that really beautiful uh, chipotle base that you use, right? And yours is very mm-hmm. simple, right? Yours is just chipotle and garlic, right? Or talk to me a little and, bit. Uh, and oregano. And oregano. Mexican oregano. Mm. Yeah. And that is one of the things that I use the most, you know, because it's so simple to make. You just take a can of chipotles, but first put it in the food processor, let's say, one or two garlic cloves with a teaspoon of salt, you know, whirl that around, add the, the, the can of chipotles with juice and all, whirl it around, and then, you know, with your hands, Go like that with the oregano, so mm-hmm. it releases the aroma, and then you mix it again, and then you start pouring a little bit of olive oil yeah. or other oil into the thing. And then when it's at the right texture, you take it out, and you can use it infinite ways. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, for instance, you know that salmon that I make, you know, which is salmon is not a fish that that is native to Mexico or mm-hmm. anything. So the the thing is that we always that's how I started doing this for you. Grill, smoke it. You cook it in a grill and then cover it with a baking tray mm-hmm. to capture the, the smoke. Yeah. But you know, eventually, just turn into like a broiled dish or a grilled, di- mm-hmm. you know, broiled dish or simply grill. So you just put the the the, the paste on it, but a little bit of olive oil, and you grill it. But then you take more paste and and make a mayonnaise, you know, with it. Mm-hmm. Take take them like an aioli, 
and and you know and then you might have like some jica masala and everything and have added to a little bit of vinaigrette mm-hmm. so you have another another layer of flavor you know so it's it is infinitely versatile that 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 I always have that in mm-hmm. in the in the refrigerator yeah, I mean, Mom, that was one of your iconic dishes at your namesake restaurant, Sarelas, which opened in 1987, which brought these flavors and these building blocks and ingredients and cooking techniques that a lot of, of the New York audience and, frankly, the United States had not seen. Um, if you ask me what are some of my flavor bases, I actually took a lot of inspiration from yours and changed it ever so slightly. to, to It's called Chipotle Love. Um, and basically what I go ahead and do is take some garlic cloves and confit them in some neutral oil till they're nice and nutty and, and caramelized. And then I take that with a can of chipotle, lime zest, okay, not fresh lime, lime zest. And then I take a nice, uh, a, a bushel of the, a lot of the stems of the cilantro and buzz that up with the residual oil. So I like that roasted garlic flavor with the roasted kind of smoky chipotle. So I use that. It's, up a, and it's I, a deeper. It's a little bit deeper, and the idea of the garlic and the, and the lime zest kind of wakes it up a little bit. So that's how I've yeah. ripped off of that one. Well, that's great. Yeah. And what do you use it on? Oh, just, a, I mean, obviously a chicken a, a chicken marinade would be the most ideal thing, you know? If you're doing half spatchcock chicken, let that sit for six to 12 hours, uh, and then you have a really beautiful marinade do it, uh, cook it off direct heat, almost a kind of slow roasted in a, in a barbecue. And you really can't go wrong with that. And then you can hack that up. Uh, you, again, you can add that to mayonnaise with some lime juice and make a chipotle mayo. You can add uh, extra citrus and make a vinaigrette with it. So it's very versatile, as you can imagine. Well, I've been cooking with a lot because, you know, we just launched yes. our, our, new, our new website. It's www.zarela.com. And it's, we've been cooking a lot of different things, and I discovered a lot of little mm-hmm. tricks your mama, my mother, used to do, you know, as far as cooking techniques. Um, which are some of those? The one that really blew my mind, actually, was I was making this beef mm-hmm. with red, with green chili because I get it fresh at, at an outrageous price from Hatch, New Mexico, because there's nothing like those mm-hmm. that green chili, you know, from, from Hatch. It's such a particular flavor, it, whether it's dried mm-hmm. or... Or fresh, and uh, you're starting onions, and all of a sudden she stops and makes a roux in the middle of, of that, and mixes it into the onions that are cooking, and could she give, give, mm. make them a little crusty, uh, uh, you know, because of the roux, and 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 added a whole other layer of flavor, and then the, then the other thing she she used to always do was she she would always uh, at the end of a dish she would always grind up some garlic. And put a little bit of water and put it in the dish, so you always had the flavor of the raw garlic. Mm. And the water will help uh, take some of its uh, abrasiveness away. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people, whether working with onions or garlic, sometimes like to temper the aggressive flavor with either vinegar, water, and salt to kind of calm it down. But that makes a lot of sense. I know it's it's, it's wonderful. I mean, it just livens everything up. So it's like, so I've, I've, I'm writing down the things that she used to do. She used to, she wouldn't put any herbs like that, that would be too strident. And she would make a tea, like a bay leaf tea. And then add it a little bit at a time until she had the, the exact flavor that she wanted. You know, it was, it was, she was a natural cook and a natural singer and a natural pianist and a natural everything. She had a lot of talent there.
what really differentiates, um, I think, your cuisine from Mema's was Mema was, I think, very resourceful in the sense that she would use bouillon, right? Uh, use bouillon as, as, as a flavor principle. And then, you know, she had that great recipe for like a pork loin with prunes and Coca-Cola and, and chile. Like this, it, I thought it was very reflective of the time that she was cooking in, where you had to be resourceful and, and all that. Well, especially at the ranch. Yeah. You know, even though we had this, we had this, I, I have an article up on my, on my website called My Mother's Pantry. Mm -hmm. And we had this, this pantry, you would go in, and then she had this big metal, you know, trash can full of pastas mm. and, you know, kind of. But then when you started looking at the shelves, she had all the French stuff. She had, like, shells for escargot, and she had, you know, mm. all these wonderful things. Then she had the Italian things, and then she had the Chinese, because we always used to make chop suey, mm. you know. And, and you know, with, so they were always, like, like uh, bamboo slices and all this kind of so and remember this was like in the 50s so that she was making all this stuff you know all the time was amazing you know because she had all, all the ingredients on hand yeah she was revolutionary was in the sense that you know uh, a lot of canned products obviously you're you're the ranch is kind of remote remote right so you know you maybe go into town what once a month mom and get supplies and 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 all of the larder, if you will, right? And then yeah. bring it back. So yeah. you had to use what you had. And obviously you had that beautiful abundance of beef and different sort of livestock that you had on the ranch. But I thought Mema was so uh, forward thinking in the idea of introducing you guys to different cuisines of the world. And I thought that was really oh, special. Oh, yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, I just did a really nice uh, podcast with a... Uh, this company called, this website called Eat Darling Eat, mm. and it's about mothers and daughters. And and the thing is that I said, well, in our family, it would not be Eat Darling Eat, it would be Don't Eat Darling, Don't Eat. You know, but, <laughs> but the thing is that, you know, all these beautiful stories about, I used that podcast to talk about how she taught us manners and how they wanted us to to learn how to tell stories and mm -hmm. and be engaged in the, in the meal and how she set the table with 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 linen you know tablecloths cloth tablecloth cloth napkins mm -hmm. china her blue delf china so it was at the ranch there wasn't much to do except enjoy wonderful food absolutely and there's nothing wrong with that and I think you instilled that into to Rodrigo and I as far as uh, being able to sit down, enjoy a meal, understand the part of the sobre mesa afterwards, the conversation. Um, I thought that's something that I carry through this day. You know, I was very kind of anxious and nervous when I was younger, and now I've completely done a 180, and now I'm very, uh, very calm and, and take my time with everything. So I, I have you to thank for that. This episode is brought to you by Garden Cult, garden design and coaching. Carmen DeVito is a professional garden designer, certified New York State landscape professional, and the founder of Garden Cult. You may also know her from HRN's home gardening videos and our series, We Dig Plants. 
Garden Cult is a culmination of Carmen's more than two decades of experience designing and building gardens in New York City. Carmen believes that gardens and outdoor spaces should be healthy, environmentally sustainable places that enhance the health of people, nature, and the planet. She knows how to help you maximize the space you've got, help you work with and make the most of the materials, plants, and trees that you already have, and create an outdoor place to use and enjoy for you and your family. Get started at GardenCult.com. For a 15% discount on virtual garden consultations and coaching sessions, use code HRN15 through September 30th, 2021. That's code HRN15 at GardenCult.com. So, Mom, we've talked a lot about the, you know, the ingredients, right? What, what, what really sort of constitutes the Mesoamerican Mexican diet as far as ingredients? We've touched upon it from the tomatoes to the corn to the chiles uh, to the cacao, uh, you know, all the wonderful fresh herbs. Now we have these flavor bases, right, these building blocks, the cooking techniques. How do we utilize those, right? So one of them that I've always been such a fan of what you do is the roasted poblano onion and garlic, right? So how do you utilize those? What are some of the dishes that, that are rendered from that beautiful base? Well, I could I could make a vidlacoche soup with it, add the vidlacoche saute with that. Mm-hmm. I can I can I can you know stuff a, a fillet. That's what I served at the Williamsburg Economic Summit mm-hmm. when I cooked there in 1983. I, I served this this fillet that you butterfly, mm-hmm. and then stuff it with it with a rajas and, and a little slice of cheese, mm-hmm. and uh, and it was it was grilled. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. They, I, I use them. I, I, I sometimes puree them and make a delicious uh, poblano sauce. Mm-hmm. You know, you you could take the, you know, you can, yeah, and maybe with some fried uh, vegetables or like the, the cauliflower. So I mean, and the, what was, it, mom, but what was the one dish that everybody would come to Sarelas, your namesake restaurant, and ask for? The rice. The rice was kind of. Uh, next level and the chilaquiles and the chilaquiles but but what was in the rice mom it was corn rice uncle ben's it had to be uncle ben's mm. or another converted rice mm. and then it, you sauteed poblano uh, uh chopped on onion and garlic mm. mixed that in then it had uh, sour cream mixed with with chopped cilantro and onion, mm-hmm. so just think of all these layers, and then the cheese. Yes, of course. So when you when you when you when you bite into this thing, it you have crunchy, you have tangy, and you have spicy, and you have creamy, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful dish. Yeah, and it, but it uses that flavor base, right, Mom? Uh, that building block, as you said. So just those are four beautiful examples of how to use. That beautiful mixture of the rajas, right? The onion, the garlic, the rosa poblano, all cut together and used in many different ways. You know, as I'm thinking about that, I'm like, wow, how I've used that at Johnny Sanchez at my restaurant in New Orleans. Well, I've taken the rajas and done that very simply over a grilled hanger steak, over a mesquite, and used that. Uh, yeah, as just like a simple catalyst for taco, right? So we make beautiful homemade flour tortillas and have that, and then we serve all the fixings on the side, right? And I think that's one beautiful example of just how to keep it very simple and straightforward. So uh, we take a lot of pride of that. And then also sometimes we'll chop up that mixture, mom, 
the the roasted poblano, the 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 onions and the garlic, and chop it fine and put it into a queso dip, right? You know, yeah, or a fundido if you could. You know what I mean? Mm. Roasted kind of cheese yeah. casserole. You can do that as well. So there's many different directions you can take with that particular building block. You know, so. And there, and, and there's so many different green chilies that that the thing is that each one is going to be completely different. Absolutely. The poblano will be, you know, and then the the hatch. I, I mean, I'm still in love with with the hatch and, and and the northern green chilies. It's too bad that we can't get them here in New York. Yeah, well, you can get them frozen, and the, it's not yeah. the same. But you know, for anybody that's not familiar with the hatch chilies. They're beautiful. They're you know native to the northern part of Mexico, all throughout the Southwest. You go to even like a Walmart in New Mexico, uh, and you go out there during the fall, uh, September, October, and you'll see them roast hatch green chilies in the parking lot, right? And you walk off with this beautiful bag of roasted green chilies, and there's nothing more magical than that, right, Mom? I always have them in the freezer. Yeah. And and you know where where else is really really good to use that is in in like a beef picadillo. Yes, indeed. You know, put it in, and it's wonderful. So a beef picadillo, you know, so right? A, that's a, yeah, a ground beef, saute. I mean, seared onion, uh, garlic, some beautiful aromatics. Sometimes, if you want to do traditional, right, mom, you would do olives, maybe perhaps in there or potato. There's made. One variation of the of the picadillo, but there's many differences. Yeah. And then the other building block that we haven't talked about. I see. I just did this project for for Accorda. You know this this company that, that makes a medication that has helped me a lot mm-hmm. with my condition. Mm-hmm. I have Parkinson's for 33 years, mm-hmm. and uh, and I've done really well with it. Uh, but so I worked on the building blocks because I thought that that would be a really good way. To teach people how to cook because people with Parkinson's have trouble, have trouble cooking and moving with their hands and stuff. Mm-hmm. So the other thing that I did is that uh, tomatillo sauce. Yeah. You know the green tomatillo, the fresh sauce. Everybody loves that. See, these three things are three of the favorite flavors of, of, of foreign people who eat Mexican food: chipotle, tomatillo. And the salsa, mm-hmm. you know, so you can take a tomatillo and, and, and make, you know, wonderful, put an avocado in it and make a sort of low calorie mm-hmm. guacamole. Mm-hmm. You know, the other day, the other day, somebody came here to the house for, for this party that I made and they brought bocconcini. Mm-hmm. Wow. Bocconcini. And I put it in the, in the tomatillo sauce. Wow, that sounds great. And it was like a... It was just a tiny little quick appetizer, you know, so you can, you, you know, I also started cooking rice or quinoa with it. Mm. You know, you, you, you brown the rice and then you add the, 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 the raw tomatillo sauce yeah. and the chicken stock. It is tangy and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's another building block that, that, I, that I absolutely love. I love that, Mom. So we talked a little bit about, you know, the salsas, of course, the different things. Well, uh, the, the the recados, right, which is another one of those kind of building blocks of flavors, which is sort of those spice paste and mixtures that you get from Quintana Roo or the Yucatan region of Mexico, which are great, right? They make them with achote traditionally for the wonderful heralded cochinita pibil, 
There's also recaudo. Yeah, recaudo. Recaudo. Yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, that's another thing my mom used to make. She used to make chicken stock, and then she would saute onion, tomato, and garlic, Mm. add it to the stock, and then it would become a totally different, completely flavorful, wonderful thing. And Mm. the recaudos are used a lot in in the cooking. Yes. They're like a mirepoix. Yes, indeed, indeed. And And I love that. Um... And the idea of the adobos, right? So an adobo can be many different things. You know, adobo traditionally is a wet marinade, but now you're, you're finding marinades, adobos that are just spice mixtures, right? If you would take it like a rub, for instance, right? But at its heart, in its essence, an adobo is a wet marinade that has beautiful spices and chilies and aromatics and put to different meats, Uh what are some of those adobos that spoke to you initially, Mom? I remember we, uh, during the during the Christmas season, we, we all mm-hmm. year we would fatten up this pig, and then uh, right before Christmas we would sl- slaughter it and and give one leg to the cowboys and 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 then um, and then we would break mm. up the other one and make mm. chorizo, carne adobada, which is probably my favorite thing to to make. With uh, with, yeah, yeah. with uh, ch- chili paste, you know, the, you, the, in Oaxaca, they, mm. in Oaxaca they do the cecina. Well, carne de vada, thin slices of pork. You slather this uh, this marinade on it, this adobo, and mm. then sprinkle it with chili seeds, and then and then, then hang it up to that, air that, dry. That, that's cecina, you right know, there. for a day Beautiful. or two. Yeah, we call it carne de vada. And that's and that's different, you know, and it's beautiful yeah. and it. I think when you have, and also you, you're taking, in essence, not maybe the best quality meat, perhaps, but adding a huge impact of flavor and exactly. to kind of uplift it and take it to that next level, right? So. And you can also use it as a seasoning, you know, the 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 adobo, mm-hmm. because let's say that you have a soup cooking and you want to you wanna add the extra flavor you, you have. I like to have it in the refrigerator in little ice cube mm. um, trays. Different things that I can just take out and put it in the, put it in the soup mm-hmm. pot or, or wherever I'm making, and and it's just the right amount of of, of uh, spiciness, but you know you have to be very careful when you're making an adobo not to burn any part of it because it Absolutely. makes everything bitter. So so and, al- and also is, yeah and also not burning carefully. the adobo once it's been marinated. So, you know, if you're going to if you're going to put it on chicken for instance exactly. and it has skin on it, right? You don't want to do direct heat. You want to do off the heat, put it on that rack up there, cover it and let it cook cuz you can burn that adobo on the actual product. So, I think that's also very important to mention. Uh when you have those dried chilies and all those different flavors, they're very susceptible to being uh charred and and, and kind of bitter and overcooked. So, you got to be very mindful. Uh, how you do that. I agree. Well, you can also take the adobo yeah. and, and thin it and well, make I'm, it into a, a sauce for chilaquiles, chilaquiles yeah, or, or enchiladas. Great. Well, Mom, let's talk a little bit as, as we conclude. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the website, your website, sarela.com. Uh, what are some of the new additions that you've done on it? What can, what can all of our fans look forward to and that's a differentiating point from what was there to what you're doing now on the website. 
First of all, it's organized. Mm -hmm. But we have, I have this this area called Sarela's Mind, and that there I talk about trips that I've taken. I have beautiful eulogies for for my friends who have died, like Bud Schulberg and Diana, and you know, just honoring them. And I have traditions there, cultural traditions, celebrations in Mexico. Then I have living living well with Parkinson's because my goal right now is to t teach people that you can live well with this horrible disease and be fulfilled and be successful, and, but you have, to, you have to really want it with all your heart you know, to do it. And then I have another one called Lifestyle, where I have menus and I have uh, fun stories like that. You know? so, it's, so it's like entertaining ideas, things, things about setting, setting tables, and that kind of stuff. So it's a it's a totally different thing from the other one. It's beautifully designed. Yeah, it's all encompassing, Mom. You're talking about lifestyle. You're talking about cultural experiences, personal experiences, recipes, um, uh, extremely almost your 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 love of anthropology and your deep dive into the research of Mexican culture and food. So your website really offers all of that. So you can't just say it's a chef's website. It's something that is so much bigger. It is really a, 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 a love letter to your life, to your appreciation of your culture, your family, uh, and all the experiences that you've been through. So I think that's beautiful. That's beautiful, honey. Thank you so much. Of course. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I'm all right. I'm getting better. When, they, when, when I was a kid and I was a little bit challenging, they would ask my mom, hey, hey Aaron, ¿cómo está? Mejorando. <laughs> He's improving. <laughs> How's Aaron doing? He's getting better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the whole point is, and I, for everyone that's having, you know, because I have the Aaron Sanchez Scholarship Fund, right? Where I put Latino kids into culinary school. I know a lot of them have worked with you, mom, and they've been mentored by you. And they consider some of that the most valuable time they've ever spent. And my point is that don't ever give up on a kid. You know, our youth, our, our youth is the most valuable commodity that we have. And don't give up on children and youth. You know, we might be misguided or misled, but there's always that potential. And that's why, you know, it's so important. You, you know, and you helped me find that whether it was our bound or coming to work with Chef Paul Perdome, you know, you knew that importance. And I didn't push you too much in school because I knew that that, that wasn't your thing. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. But uh, it was all good. You know, I, I, I turned out all right, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Usually the ones that give you the more trouble are the ones that turn out the best. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you don't want that, like, atypical kid. There's something suspicious about that. <laughs> remember what, remember that Rodrigo, uh, Rodrigo would not do it, you know, I don't have a twin brother, and Rodrigo would not break the law for anything in the world. And sometimes I would bribe him, and he'd say, one day I'm going to re remind you that you bribed me to break the law. When we were, when we were going into, into Roosevelt Island to get, be photographed at that. Because <laughs> 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 it said, no, no trespassing. <laughs> And no trespassing. And so one day they, he went to Dalton, and then one day they called me that they, they called me from the school to tell me that he had gotten into a horrible fight. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I said, "Thank God, 
I'm so happy that he finally got into trouble. <laughs> exactly. Well, for me, it was like I was I had too much trouble. Yeah. But it was it, it was so good. Talk about some contra- some contrasting personalities, right? I know. Yeah. Yeah, mom. So again, uh, we encourage everybody. I mean, this is the launch uh, of our new season. Um, Season three for Cooking in Mexico from A to Z, of course, on Heritage Radio Network. We couldn't be happier from their support and their partnership for making this dream, honestly, of my mom and I working together, sharing something that's so intimate and personal to us uh, as our Mexican culture and food, as you can imagine, with the intention of making you guys fans and and embracing our cuisine and our culture and, and loving it and cooking it at home and and, and telling everybody you know about it. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this. I know I'm excited to what's what's going to come. We're going to have a lot of really awesome guests coming up on season three. We're going to be talking about tequila. What else are we going to be talking about, Mom? Just to give them a oh, little prompt. Popcorn. We're going to talk about popcorn. popcorn. Yeah. Okay. Because there's Rafael Mier, who, who is the president of this consortium dedicated to the revival of the Mexican tortilla. Because uh, because mm-hmm. oh, the tortilla consumption has gone down forty percent in Mexico, so it's like a, a real tragedy. Mm-hmm. And but he's been trying to, you know, because he works with corn all the time. He he has found this popping corn, so we're going to talk about about that. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Paula Lambert talk about Mexican style cheeses here. We're, we're gonna have an, an expert talking about the crema and all the dairy products. Carlos Yescas. Ricardo Muñoz Zurita talking about seafood. And then we're going to have Jonathan Waxman uh, talking about the Calmex sort of uh, vibe that happened very early on in, in, in like the late 70s or mid 70s about that influence of cow Mexican cuisine, which is going to be fun. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff coming. Please make sure that you guys continue to support Cooking in Mexican from A to Z on Heritage Radio Network. We thank you all for uh for listening and your constant support amaron sanchez uh alongside my beautiful mother sarela martinez muchísimas gracias abrazos a todos uh los esperamos ahí gracias thank you cooking in mexican from a to z is powered by simple cast Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without your support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like. Tell your friends and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Yeah.